Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, a La Liga podcast being brought to you by members of the Overlap, sponsored by no one, just us. But anyway, La Liga podcast is back. We haven't done one of these in like a week or two now um, due to unforeseen circumstances and uh, somewhat of a mini vacation for me. I don't don't really know what to call it. We just haven't done a La Liga podcast in a minute, so... I'm I'm hyped to be back at it, Rian. Um, I'm excited to talk a little bit of Spain and uh, why apparently La Liga's reputation in Europe tanked over the last, like, two weeks. <laughs> but we can get to that in a minute. Um, but how's your week been? It's been uh, it's, it was a pretty good Tuesday for you. Pretty Oh, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> no, my week's been good. I've been, I've been lucky enough to not be too busy with work to be able to, to uh, watch these Champions League games. And, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, Tuesday was great, obviously. Um, but, Elias, how about you? You were just, before we hopped on, Elias was just complaining about how tired he is. So, you know, <laughs> if the energy's low, yeah. you guys can, no, you can figure blame it out me. yourself. Yeah, you can blame me. I respect <laughs> that. Um, no, I'm, I'm always going to bring the energy. This is what gives me life right now after work. I literally, I was telling Rian right before we started recording, we always record on, um, like online, obviously, and I was on a call and I was expecting people to jump on my line and they didn't. And uh, yeah, let's. I just I'm thankful that a Rion Shrim in parentheses external did not hop on for everyone to go. <laughs> um, who's this? Who's this character? <laughs> and then yeah, I don't. I don't even want to know what happened at that point. Probably not anything, but it would. And it would have been hilarious. But I didn't. I don't need more stress in my life right now. So, but yeah, the, we're the funny thing is, I was. I, I totally had joined this uh, this meeting at like maybe six thirty two six six thirty like a couple minutes after six thirty. Oh uh, yeah, it, it ended at like six twenty eight or something like that. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, okay, yeah. So it was right before, <laughs> and I was like, oh god, if it went over, actually it was already wow. over, but it went even more over. But yeah, we lucked out. We lucked out. But um, no, no, I would have loved to have had Rihanna on my work calls. Rihanna would have been a, a source of entertainment and laughter for me. So, but yeah, let's, uh, we'll, I'll try and time it to, to screw him over on like April 1st or something for April Fool's Day. That's actually oh, a great idea. That'd be funny. Um, it's interesting <laughs> that you think that would be screwing me over, but. <laughs> it probably, yeah, it probably wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't at all, but it'd be hilarious to me. So we both get a kick out of it. It's a win-win scenario. Yeah, I definitely I really get a kick out of it. Way, <laughs> all right, fair enough, fair enough. But Rian, let's um, let's talk about why you had, uh, or at least part of why you had a really good week. Um, let's start off with the team that Chelsea beat in midweek. Let's start off with Atletico, because uh, we need to have a conversation about this Atletico side. Um, they are. They are not in good form as they were about three weeks ago. And in the month of December, and really, I mean, or December, February, excuse me, um, really in their last seven games, they have conceded at least one goal. And we're talking about a team that back in November were on track to concede eight goals for the entire season. And that is nothing short of a miraculous decline in the month of February, specifically where... They've gone on to lose against Levante. They've drawn and dropped points in unnecessary games as well. Also, one of which was separately against Levante. Um, 
So it, it it's not not looking great on form for Diego Simeone's men, right? I mean, when you watch, I mean, let's say in the context of the, the Champions League game against Chelsea, when you watch that game, I, I, I don't know. I feel like this wasn't the same Atletico side, not only that we've seen this season, but it felt like this Atletico side was trying to be the Atleti of old. And they couldn't actually reproduce that because the players that they have aren't built to do those things anymore. They're not built to defend in a 6-3-1, you know, formation. That that just doesn't that's not what Atleti do. They're not it's not what they're built to do. That's why Suarez is there. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, this game at least um yeah, this entire 90 minutes from Atletico, like you said, they they played extremely cautiously and it really reminded me of their game against Leipzig at the end of the Champions League last season. At least that game up until Joao Felix was uh, subbed on in that game, where it just felt, I hate to use like the word cowardly, but, but it was, there was no courage in their play, right? And, I mean, it, it must be, I think, some sort of like weird tick or weird not tick but weird um different mindset that i think diego simeone has in these champions league games because i'll have to say like even leading into this game they they lost to levante right but you look at back at that game they actually they had so many chances they they had it wasn't like they were playing too defensively in that game. That that wasn't the issue. They they couldn't finish, which has not happened a lot this season, right? But against Chelsea, they played a completely different way. Um, like you said, they sat basically six, a line of six players as a defensive line, um, a few times, which you, know, you can you can understand from the tactical sense, uh, because. Chelsea was trying, has under Tuchel really played heavily in like the half spaces. That's been a place of emphasis for them. But um, it it was just so, so defensive. And and it shouldn't be anything that we're surprised about, though, either. I, I don't think we should act like we should come from this game and be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that Atletico Madrid played like that. Like, no, I mean, we've seen them play like this in the Champions League, especially the last couple of years. And I think sometimes just feel like there's this fear that Simeone has in these games, honestly, um, because you're right. There's no reason that they need to play quite that cautiously, right? Um, they, they have much better technical players or a greater variety of technical players than they have in the past. And it's just kind of arm, arm, uh, gosh, what the word arm, Arm cuff, handcuffing them, handcuffing them. Hand, handcuff. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree, but I think you have to highlight the reasons why they looked like they were lacking so much emphasis going forward. There is, there is, there are two major missing links in this game, and there have been for for a while now in this Atletico side. Uh, one is Yannick Carrasco, who you and I both kind of did not really think would be so impactful this season, but consistently on the left-hand side seems to be performing, right? All the duties that an old Simeone side would want 
also simultaneously aiding in the attack, right, in kind of like Chelsea in the half spaces uh, on the left-hand side. And that's an area that Atleti have not really previously exploited in prior seasons. Um, they're more, they used to be more of a counter-attacking side, and now they've almost exclusively shifted towards more progressive football. But the other player that I want to highlight is Kieran Trippier. Like, I can't emphasize enough how important him running up and down the flank, almost similar to um, to Jao Cancelo and Jesus Navas at Manchester City and Sevilla, respectively. He provides them with not just the width on the right-hand side, but he also provides them with balls into the box that are just sublime. And he can play them on the ground, in the air. It doesn't really matter, but his ability to be accurate with those balls in usually leads to a shot on target, not necessarily from the cross, but at least subsequently after that. And he's a big, big missing piece to that. And I, I honestly think that once he comes back from his ban, you're going to see a different Atletico side. But right now, it's they're suffering. They're suffering because they're missing those two players. Yeah, and you know, we, have to, we have to give credit to Chelsea, of course, because the press just really stopped every possibility of uh, Atletico being able to play out from the back because you know, Michael Cox wrote a great article about this game from the tactical side. And Atleti, like, I mean, honestly, like a lot of um, teams in La Liga, when they win possession at the back or in their own penalty area, they don't just hoof it, right? Like a lot of a lot of other clubs you'll see do that i mean not just not not to single out only england but like the, uh, in other leagues the same thing happens but um but they, they try to play the ball on the ground right and try and try to counter attack with the men out wide and chelsea didn't allow them to and draw felix every touch had to be pretty much perfect for him because of the pressure the high press that chelsea was doing the really well coordinated high press i should say but also because the the way that the atletico was set up it, every one of his touches had to be perfect just for them to get into the other half of the field and it's it's got to be difficult for him it's got to be difficult for him because getting his ball getting the ball with his back to goal in his own half is not how i think he would have expected his second year to be going right or at least as much as he did in a champions league game like that right and um and yeah so i feel for him in in, in that sense and and he it feels like he's not being allowed to develop at the at the speed that you would expect him to develop if you were playing with the team that you know cared about possession more for lack of a better term um but at least I, I have to turn this to you now. I, I mean, like I said, the, the Levante game. I think they were pretty fairly unlucky to lose that game, right? Um, I don't think they were unlucky to lose on Tuesday against. Um, but Elias is, is there a cause for concern that now that ten point lead that they once had over Real Madrid has been shrunk? down to three points with a game in hand for Atletico Madrid, we should say. But is there is there a real danger that Atletico Madrid are going to be caught? 
there is absolutely 100% a danger of Atletico losing the league right now. Um, not just because of their last eight games in which they've conceded at least a goal, um, and obviously their string of poor results. That alone speaks for itself. That alone speaks for the, the lack in players that I mentioned that they really back, and also the fact that teams have sort of figured out how to contain Jao Felix too, something that I did not mention before. Um, Chelsea is a good example of that, but I don't think that's explicit to just Chelsea. But more importantly, their next seven games are incredibly difficult. They play Villarreal this weekend. After that, the following weekend is the Madrid Derby. So they have to play Real Madrid, who, of course, are, are in second place and three points behind with the Atletico have, Atletico have a game in hand. And then they have to play Bilbao, Hetafe. Hetafe not so much of a great side this season, given that they've lost their last four and, and are, are on a terrible run of form. But then they also have to go ahead and play Chelsea that, the, right after that. And then they have to play Sevilla. So their next run of games over the next, I would say, 30 to 40 days is really, really difficult. And they're playing teams that are also in the top six. So it's not like they're playing you know, sides at the bottom of the table and they, they can pick up confidence and points against. They still have the big teams to play. And, and I haven't even mentioned the fact that they have to play Barcelona in, I think it's May. So Atletico are in a really, really concerning position right now. I have to be honest. They, they are not in form. They seemingly cannot get forward past basically what seems like the midfield line at times other than doing the classic you know atletico of old type counterattacking football but again maybe we're having an entirely different conversation i say this all the time maybe we're having an entirely different conversation if one of those shots against levante over the weekend goes in right if just just one of them goes in because their xg was almost three goals during that game so it's not like they didn't have chances i think that Atletico are at not just at this rate, but are going to lose the league. I don't think they're going to win La Liga right now as things stand, but I don't know who they're going to lose it to because it was, it was always expected. Atletico could not keep up this run of form for an entire season. No team could keep up this run of form. They were on track to match Barcelona and Real Madrid's basically 98, 99, hundred point seasons. So that was never going to happen. And you know, dip in form is expected, but to this magnitude, I, I don't know. Rian, Rian, I can't hear you. Oh. Oh. <laughs> we should we should say that even with the loss of Levante, that's still their first loss in La Liga since December 12th to Real Madrid, right? And, and like you said, their their next run of games is is really what's going to swing the league or secure it for them, I think, right? Um, after Villarreal, like you said, they play Real Madrid. And, I mean, they don't play Barcelona again until May. So it, it's hard. We can't predict what, what's going to be happening by that point. But, yeah, it's... I personally still will keep them as the favorites, and I still think that it's their league to lose. Um, I I just really don't 
have that much faith in Real Madrid and Barcelona being able to catch them this season because, well, because of what we've seen throughout the season. But, you know, Real, that Real Madrid team d- didn't seem that great last season either, and they were able to catch Bar- a Barcelona side that didn't have the consistency, enough consistency to, to win the league last season. And I think that's what it will come down to with Atletico Madrid. They, it's 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 hard when Luis Suarez is not scoring just about every big chance that he gets, right? Um, and and that's what they've relied upon a lot during this run. But it's it's hard. It, I don't think they're gonna walk away with the league anymore. I, I I think like three or four weeks ago we talked about what does a Real Madrid and Barcelona season look like when they are both firmly out of the title race and, <laughs> and, um, and only in the Champions League or, or potentially both being out, right? So it, it's, it's going to be an interesting run to the end here. It, it looks like we're going to get a, a, a real title race. There'll be real pressure, but, you know, it, it, none of these teams, those three teams at the top now look convincing in any sense. Just say that. No, no, not at all. And we'll talk about Real Madrid when we get to the Real Madrid portion right after this. But um, maybe that's a good segue because they also didn't look good midweek against Atlanta. Um, it was a garbage game. Um, but again, it could be one of those scenarios where the lesser of two evils basically wins. So with that, I just have one last question on Atleti Rian. Do you think that this side can beat Chelsea and make it through the, to the quarterfinals of the, the Champions League? I, I I absolutely I think they can. Um, okay, let me rephrase that. Do you I think they will? Say that nothing. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say nothing that I saw on Tuesday <laughs> convinces me that they will, um, and and it's going to take them playing in a in a in a style that they have not played all year, more or less, right? Um, because now they're playing from behind, but who knows? I mean. Look, Joao Felix hasn't had a game with where he logged more than 40 touches since their game against Red Bull Salzburg <laughs> on December 9th. And and if you want to go to the league, he hasn't had a game where he's where he's registered more than 40 touches since November in uh, Atletico Madrid's win against Barcelona. So whatever has to happen, he needs to be on the ball a lot more. And um, that's going to mean a completely different way of playing. And and, and uh, they were going to be happy. They would have been happy, very, very happy to get out of there with a nil-nil, considering that they weren't playing at their own at their own home stadium in the in the Wanda. And now they're going to Stamford Bridge, which is very unfair, honestly. But um, but now they've got to go to London, and I, I I don't think they will. But I'm somewhat biased <laughs> and. I, I just can't see. I can't see the pathway to it happening for them. But you know, no Jorginho, no Mason Mount in the second leg. So, right, that could change everything in terms of you know the possession and the and the high press from Chelsea. So, yeah, and, and those two players were absolutely key in keeping. Um... I would probably say Lamar, Luis Suarez, João Felix, um, all at bay 
in the first leg. So I think the second leg is going to be way more interesting. I expect Atletico to go basically all out from minute one until about minute 15 when they realize, ah, we don't, we can't do that for much longer. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't, I don't know what else to expect from them. Um, but I expect them to be better by, by that Champions League tie. But why don't we transition over to Real Madrid, Rian, where they are kind of in a completely different boat, recovering from kind of their poor run of form in January. They're now four unbeaten in La Liga and played Atalanta last night, the first leg of their Champions League tie. Um, now, that was at home, and they got pretty lucky. So let's start with the Champions League, <laughs> just because it's very recently seared into our brains. Red card or no for you in that first half? I, I'm of two minds here. First of all, no. I, I don't. I don't think... I don't. It's, I don't it's think it's terrible. two minds. I think that's just but, one. But but <laughs> I, I'll I'll put it this way. I can see. I can see at the very very high level of the referee's decision. Of uh, there is another defender. There, sorry. There. Realistically, the defender that was not necessarily that was kind of like the last man, but was way off like to the right. Realistically, he was never going to catch up to um, to Ferland Mendy and and actually like make any sort of um, be a deterrent of in any way on, on on the shot, right? So realistically, it was a one on one with the keeper. It was going to be a one on one with the keeper, but in the pure letter of the law, which I would assume that the referees would be going by, especially the VAR, um, which was very weird that it that. I don't know if there was a check or if there was a check and it was confirmed, but you know that the Atalanta defender wasn't or midfielder that got sent off wasn't wasn't by the letter of the law the last defender. So, um, so it was really harsh. It was really harsh. I'll, but I but I will say realistically, yeah, it probably it was going to be a one on one. But, but um, <laughs> actually, I kind of agree with you. No, I've watched I watched that clip back about six or seven times. And yeah, realistically, Ferland Mendy was going to beat the last defender. Um, I I don't know if it's really a, a warranted red card to to even say that he purely just took out the man, right? I think that's almost exclusively saved. At least not. It's not. It's an unwritten rule that it's saved for like very harsh last man, explicit last man challenges, which I don't know if it was. Yeah. Um, which is why I think a lot of people are kind of up in arms in about that. But what that did, basically, right, the ramifications of that were massive for Atalanta. Not because they were playing with 10 men, but because they basically had to recede into a cocoon for the rest of the game. Yeah. And they played so just non-Atalanta-like. I don't even know if there's a word or a phrase for it, but they, they regressed. And I don't... I, I just didn't enjoy this game, honestly, watching it. It was a bad Casemiro. game. It was a horrible, yeah, it was, horrible it was, game. I mean, honestly. Terrible. It, the game was completely yeah. ruined by, by the red card. Yeah, and, and Casemiro scores a late header, right, to give them a 1-0 advantage going to the second Mendy. leg. Mendy, right? Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Mendy gives them a, a, a late winner, right, to um, to give them an advantage to the second leg. But I, I feel more for, for Atlanta and, and less for Real Madrid. I mean... 
subjectively and objectively, but genuinely, this was not, uh, I guess, a win that you can say Real Madrid earned. And for a team that's now coming out of a slump, right, and and is four unbeaten uh, with the Madrid Derby coming up, I think it's important for them to get proper wins. And maybe, maybe there's an argument to be made right now that we're looking towards Atletico Madrid dropping these points. Can Real Madrid stage a La Liga comeback? And I think that's very much, very much realistic. But they can't continue to play like that for the rest of the La, La Liga campaign, expect to get away with it. Yeah, and th- and this is where I feel more secure about Atletico being able to just hold them off and, and not saying that and being very explicit in the sense that I don't believe they're going to run away with it now, but but I think they'll be able to hold off Real Madrid and, and Barcelona is that, I, I mean, look, we know there was a lot of injuries last night for Real, right? But outside of Benzema, I can't say that I have trust in any of their attackers, in any single one, right? For different reasons, obviously. I mean, with Hazard, it's it's health wise, right? And and he has to play himself back into form. By the way, right? Like even when he comes back from his injury, he has to play himself back into fitness and form. But yeah, it's just I, I'm so underwhelmed by by Real Madrid um, this season, especially right. Even when all of those guys are back in, it just it it feels like it feels like just and we're rerunning the same like reunion episode of, of some old hit show. Like, of, of friends, of friends. Yeah. It, just, it feels like we're just every week. It's just, Oh yeah. Remember, remember when Modric was won won the Ballon d'Or. Remember that guy? He's still on the team and still playing a lot. Like remember Tony Cruz world cup winner, uh, a pivotal piece of their three of their three Pete in the champions league. Yeah. He's still very important. Karen Benzema, that guy who's been there for a decade now, um, and he's still the most reliable attacker in the entire team. Sergio Ramos, he's in the last year of his contract, but guess what? He's still the most important defender on the entire team. It's just, it, they are just so underwhelming. I, I have, I don't have any sort of entertainment <laughs> watching them, like, honestly. Um, no, I, no. I, Individual players are very. The individual players are wonderful, and it's great to see some of the the passes that Cruz and Modric can pick out. Karen Benzema, it's, it's great to see his little touches and whatnot. But as a team, they are absolutely a slog to watch in, in the weirdest way because of the talent that's on the field. It's it's a dichotomy because if you put this team into ultimate team i'm sure the lines between their names would all be orange because oh, yeah. they absolutely do not gel at all no, and i think yeah. the, chemistry is the, no no there's not chemistry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah mid-table side as chemistry even more i guess important to note is it, what you said about attackers Right outside of Benzema, they have no reliable attackers. They Hugo have Doro. Are you serious? This is a real person. <laughs> like, <laughs> if he if he was podcast, that's just brutal. <laughs> but, but yes, I agree. I think Mariano, talented, scores in Classicos once, 
but that's it. Vinicius plays like he's playing FIFA Street and dreams about Neymar at night, but not actually producing <laughs> goals. Asensio hasn't fully recovered from his ACL injury, in my opinion. Maybe he has in terms of fitness, but not in terms of the level of talent that he's producing on the field. And lastly, and probably the player that I'm most, most disappointed by is Isco. I mean, a player that, for me, led this team in their, in their Champions League run in 2018. But now, it's, he's like a shadow of his former self. And that's, that's one of the sadder pieces of this Real Madrid side. So I think that you make a good point, right, about their players not having the chemistry as a team. Maybe that's the one hindrance to this La Liga season for them to potentially take it away from Atletico Madrid. But I, I mean this very genuinely. Real Madrid find a way to squeak out wins. It's basically what they've done for the last two years. And in the league, if all you need to do is get three points, doesn't matter how pretty it looks. It doesn't matter how incohesive their entire play and strategy is. If they get the three points off individual talent, that could take them to the league. And that's, I think, the one caveat that has me concerned about Real Madrid potentially beating out Atleti to uh, to La, the La Liga title. Yeah, and and there, there's a really interesting point that I read in um, 538's blog during the Champions League games the last couple of days. Or they, they spoke about, thinking about Real Madrid there, it was kind of the same sentiment where like the team does not look like they play great together, right? But in the league where... You know, over 38 games, when you have just the better players, like it's going to show more in in the league setting, right? And and that can actually win you the title, just having a bunch of really great players. But it's it's when you come to a knockout stage or you're playing against a similarly talented team, it's where these problems of chemistry and just an overall plan, cohesive plan that you can see when when they're playing that's where they'll fall short. And and you're right, maybe at the end of the day, they'll have enough talent on the pitch to overwhelm and, and win enough points um, in the home stretch here. And maybe we'll see them be more exposed in the Champions League than they are in the league. And, and I mean, that makes sense because there are better teams there, obviously, but but also just because the talent itself um it's not on a high enough level for them to overcome all of the other things that are kind of rotting in this squad it's it's almost like this is the last one I'll make on Real Madrid but it's almost like this team is about 2 years behind the initial decay that Barcelona are going through right now it not it, it won't be to the same extent. It it will not. I just want to state that. Obviously. I think they're it's closer than two years, honestly. But and I mean, it could be closer than two years. It, I mean, this summer is going to be extremely telling for for who they pick up, um, Mbappe. But I, I honestly think that they are about one Messi away from slowly turning into to this current Barcelona side, and they have about one window to be able to fix that. And it's this upcoming one. So they need to make the most of it. And I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I think if they get out, if they get Mbappe, they're going to have to sell 
at least four to five players to make up that. So, yeah, um, I wish. I don't know. Like, I I don't don't want to don't want to harp on this too much before before we get to our break here. But not that I think that they necessarily need to sell players to get Kylian Mbappe because Real Madrid have the money. But but if that were the issue, it's like, where's the value on these players? Honestly, I mean, I don't know. That's the biggest problem. Who are the valuable assets on this team? Like you said, Isco balling off completely. Marco, Sen- Marco Sensio, that I feel really bad for him because that knee injury came when it really felt like he was about to break out, um, which which just sucks for, for him as a player, right? But I don't know where where's the value in the players that they have left. Would you say probably Rafael Varane is the most valuable player that they have on their on their squad right now? And so... I don't, I don't know. It, the, the rebuild is desperately needed for for Real Madrid, honestly. And you're right. Like this summer, it has to be done extensively in this summer. A hundred percent agreed. Yeah, it's funny that Varane is probably their most valuable player right now, um, other than maybe Kareem Benzema. But even then, it's not. But as age, it's not. You like, know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's he's aged and. I don't know what they're gonna get for for their older and aging players, but it I genuinely worry that a they're not gonna be able to properly replace them, and b it's not gonna be enough to make up Mbappe. It's just not. And and I'm telling you, Real Madrid are in a financial crunch right now. If you look at their debt numbers, their short term debt is not nearly as bad as as Barcelona's, but their their longer term debt is certainly high. So it's not like they have money growing off of the trees. Yeah. Well, but at least with anyway. that show, shall we take our shall we take our break? Yes, let's let's take a break because I need to before I go off on Barcelona real quick. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get right back to La Liga. Let's talk about the third big team in Spain. Of course, unfortunately, I'm talking about Barcelona. Now, before all of you continue to send me depressing messages that just completely point the finger and rag on my team, let's uh, let's have a level-headed, mature, adult conversation, Rian, about this team and what went wrong against PSG and subsequently Cadiz. Um, let's start with PSG. Because I'm a masochist. Coming off the back of a <laughs> 5-1 win against Alaves, Barcelona, in the Camp Nou, play PSG, a team that obviously they have a lot of history with. I don't need to go into detail. And uh, come out of there as the victorious losers, I'll call it. And uh, drop oh, the in what, in what way, victorious losers? <laughs> they, 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 they won at losing. Victorious losers. Wow. <laughs> it's, a, it's a double entendre. Actually, that's not even the right phrase. But anyway. It's like, yes. I, I feel it's like, it's like um, that Axios interview that Trump did. <laughs> Corona was like, <laughs> we're last. Oh, we're winning. So we're first. <laughs> we're first. <laughs> we're last, which means we're first. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally exactly what it is. We are number one at absolutely blowing it in the Champions League to big teams. And I want to talk about that in a second, but this game was so sad to watch. Um, not just because it brought back some flashbacks of the, the 8-2 in the 
it honestly was just sad to watch because it was so visibly the decline of this team, and there's absolutely nothing that Ronald Komen, anyone on this team, anyone on the bench can do about it. That's the saddest part, is that there's no tangible change that this team can make right now to change anything about their performances in Europe. Rian, thoughts on thoughts on the game, and then we can get into, I mean, ramifications obviously are huge. Yeah, I mean... Well, the, ram- the ramifications of this loss, I don't think, will be as huge as the the eight two was, considering. Um, yeah, yeah. Considering this, the, yeah, the the drama of the of one the whole month after that loss, but, um, uh, gosh, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I guess it was one team looked like they knew what they were meant to do on the pitch honestly and and Barcelona looked like honestly looked like a team in transition um there there wasn't a lot about this like as you watch the game look Kylian Mbappe unbelievable unbelievable and not just the goals everything he ran the show like we, we know that and and we've got a few iconic images that will live on forever from that game right but on another level it's just it's Barcelona team that when they come up against very good sides it's hard to see where the goals and where the chance creation is going to happen outside of Lionel Messi right and and I and that's not to say that Guys like Pedri and 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 um and De Jong and even Dembele for most for the most part this season they've all been great right but when it comes down to it still like with Barcelona's xG numbers are really great like overall in the league it's really great right but you have to factor in how many of those chances are created through Lionel Messi himself. Right, and that's where like the step back. I I, have to, I like step back when I think when I look at those number their numbers there and and watch them as well. It it's hard. It's hard to see who else is going to make things happen. Honestly, and, and I mean the Champions League. That's what it comes down to, right? I mean, one player themselves is not going to carry you through the entire tournament. Right, but I mean, it's surprising and not surprising. I I don't know. I, I I'm really caught in minds with with this Barcelona team because at one level we know that it's Barcelona themselves, and we know how big they are, and 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 what comes with just being a Barcelona team, and what and your expectations just from the name and Lionel Messi being in the side, but. You know, you watch this team and you see the players who are actually on the pitch and the names, and we shouldn't be that surprised that, honestly, we shouldn't be that surprised that they lose 4-1 to a PSG side that just has more talent than them at the moment, honestly. So I, I don't know. I feel like I said I don't know a lot, <laughs> but um... but but we but no, but like that's fair, right? Because none of us actually know what's going to happen with this team. There's so much in the next 
couple of months, I'll say four, three, four months that are so up in the air, right? Presidential elections being the big one that's coming up next weekend um, in era for Barcelona. And we just don't know what the outcome of that's going to be. If Juan Laporte right comes back, I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic that the structural integrity of this club will improve. But if it's someone else, then maybe not. And also, the question, like you, <laughs> you kind of alluded to, is because Messi is so inevitable for this team, what happens if he leaves? I mean, we could talk about the monetary aspects and how the cash flow for the club improves, whatever, but this is Lionel Messi we're talking about, right? It's the greatest player of all time leaving Barcelona. How does that change for this club? Well, let me put it to you this way. If Lionel Messi is not on the pitch for 95% of Barcelona's games this season, I guarantee you we're not even talking about a European place for them right now. We're just not, right? He scored 18 goals in the league. He's he's on track to win the Pachichi. And he is still having a killer season by any standard. By Messi's standard, maybe not. But he's still outscoring any striker in Europe in 2021. And that, the, the craziest part to me is that he's basically playing as a, a defensive midfielder half the time, right? So it's, <laughs> there's so many layers to the, this PSG loss, not getting back to it, that I think about Barcelona are, are concerning. Obviously, the fact that they haven't replaced players like Sergio Busquets, Gerard Piquet, Jordi Alba, the aging core that's there. But more importantly, no one really knows what's going to happen with Lionel Messi. And that's the linchpin that's holding all of this together. And quite frankly, I don't even think he knows what's going to happen. I think that we're going to hear a lot of different things. And I know this is more of a train of thought now at this point, but it's necessary um, because they're basically out of the Champions League. They play Sevilla midweek after being 2-0 down in the Copa del Rey, um, their domestic, the Spanish domestic cup. Um, and so they're playing Sevilla at home in the cup and also Sevilla in the league this upcoming weekend. And that might just define their season, right? The, the next two games against Sevilla might truly define whether or not they're able to win anything or be of relevance to any part of the season. And it, it just saddens me to see that this might very well be the way that Lionel Messi goes out. So we didn't even talk about the PSG yeah. game, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, no, we, I know, we, we, we did. We did it a bit, like... Overall, for me, um, when trying to evaluate Barcelona this season and, and just going forward for the rest of the season, I, you just have to bring our expectations down. I mean, honestly, it, it's it's hard not to speak about them in these grandiose ways because of, again, like their stature of the club and, and the respect, respect <laughs> <laughs> right? and, and the talisman. Right, uh, talking about the best player in the world, so so it's hard not to talk about them in the sense of like they should be one of the two or three best teams in the world, right? But they're not. They're they're not. They're this inconsistent team who are trying to rebuild. Um, they have a lot of very young players. They have a lot of players who are twenty three and under who are being relied upon in ways that. Sometimes it's unfair to them, and in other ways, it's just what we expect in terms of, like, growing pains of some of these players. And 
the Serginio Dest thing in, in the PSG game, it was tough to see some of the criticism because that was his first game back from injury. And not just him, I should say, PK also. First game back from injury. I mean, honestly, what did you expect? <laughs> like yeah. They were coming up against against probably the most dynamic player in the world right now when you talk about speed and dribbling from Kylian Mbappe and, and, and the ability to finish as well, right? But what did you expect when you when you step back if like if we change the jerseys and we put those same players on on the pitch and we explain the circumstances of a couple of those defenders in that back line i think a 4-1 wouldn't have been that unexpected honestly and, <laughs> Basically. and, and then to see and then to see you know them drop points against Cardiff too it's just the inconsistencies this is just what we have to accept this season with barcelona and it's hard to accept that. And I know it's hard for Elias especially to accept that. <laughs> but it just... Another reason why why I think that Atletico, while they won't be probably convincing as in this business end of the season and, and in the run-in for the title, it's more... I, I just don't see Real Madrid or Barcelona having... Just having this enough steam to, to push through to the end and... and and take the league away from Atletico Madrid, and you know, for for all these factors, like I just said, with the transition and and, and just the general look of the score roster construction, I should say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. There's no way that this Barcelona side are going to be winning, despite the fact that on paper, right, they're five points behind Atleti, and Atleti still do have a game in hand. More importantly. They have a game in hand, or I should say Sevilla have a game in hand over them, and they are two points behind Barcelona. That is the more telling piece, because competing right now is Sevilla for fourth place, basically. Or for third place, I should say, competing. So I don't think we're even having a conversation about Barcelona winning the league. We're having a conversation about them beating teams like Alaves, Betis, uh, Granada, right, in the comeback in the Copa del Rey. We're having those conversations but they're still leaking goals in the league, despite what their expected goals against might say, right? They're averaging about three to five goals better than what their expected goals against actually would would have expected by now. Um, but at the same time, they're, they're conceding those goals at the most inopportune times. Clement Longley conceding a penalty against Cadiz in the 87th, 88th minute, right? That cost a massive two points right there. And it's plays like that in the most crucial moments that are actually leading to dropping points. It doesn't doesn't necessarily matter than the overall number, but when they happen is arguably just as if not more important. And that's what's happened. That's that's the nature of this Barcelona side right now. So I don't know, Rian, um, where this Barcelona side are going to finish. I would expect them to finish top four, right? Real Sociedad are on 41 points, so it's a bit of a stretch for them to get to fourth right now. But it, it is very much a rebuilding season. I don't expect Barcelona to win anything. I expect them to fully concede another four or five goals in Paris when they go, right? It's going to be equal, if not worse, <laughs> than the Bayern scoreline. I mean, just being honest. Um, but if Probably no Neymar so, still, right? I mean, it's oh, his well, we'll birthday see. that week, so... <laughs> I forgot. I completely Sorry. forgot it's Rafael's <laughs> birthday. Yeah, it is. It is Neymar's sister's birthday, so obviously he will not be around. But if he is around, uh, it's yeah, that's good night. 
tonight for for Barcelona. So it's going to be worse than the Bayern score. I just expect that. Uh, and if if Bayern <laughs> Barcelona, if Barcelona end up, I, I kid you not, if they end up going through like four nil or something in Paris, I will live stream myself eating my own sock. I will. I will hard. I love it. I love that. That's, that's just not. But you know, <laughs> a man can dream. But imagine. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that would be great. Uh, that would be great. Yeah, Rian, I think that, that wraps it up for Barcelona for me. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Elias, just one more, one last thing before we get out of here. Uh, you kind of touched on it very early in the in the podcast. Um, look, we don't like to get into these arguments very much on, oh, on the podcast here. I don't know what and, it is. But... And... I even like I even kind of stray away from it offline too, <laughs> but I don't know, Elias. Um, streets have been saying that La Liga are waste men. <laughs> oh I, my god! <laughs> streets streets have been talking out there, and it's not looking good for La Liga from a narrative standpoint. <laughs> no, but 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 seriously. Like, what what is your your feelings towards um what we've seen in the last two or this week and last week in the last eight or nine days from a La Liga standpoint? Um, what are your what are your takeaways from from the results in the Champions League and Europa League? Yeah, well, if you're doing simple math, right, only three teams in La Liga were able to make it through to the next round of their European competitions, respectively. Right, that's Villarreal, Granada. And Real Madrid um, right now currently, or, or had wins, I should say, uh, th- this week, um, or in their first legs, or in total. So what does that tell you? Well, it tells you that right now, Spanish football, I guess the obvious um, you know, conclusion from that is not at the level of competition that normally they have been in the last eight to ten years. So the, the question really becomes, right, why is that the case? And, and I think one proper theory around this is in La Liga, you have your three, right? You have your Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico in what I would wish was that order. But in reality, you have those top three teams and the La Liga teams below them, almost all of them play up to that level, right? They play up to those top three teams level when they play them. Other than that, it's very much a possession and uh, attacking football mindset. It's not necessarily focused on dynamism, you know, the Google press. Um, it, that's not the style of Spanish football. And that's come down for years, right? It, it was really implemented in the last 20 years across Spain, ranging from Pep, from Del Bosque, to a multitude of other coaches. And that started to bleed into England as well. But right now, what you're seeing in Spain is that style of play is starting to get a little older, especially as players around the Europe and around the world get more athletic. So the Spanish teams that are now Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico, they are still playing that old style and they're winning in free. Well, I don't want to say infrequently, but not as frequently as before, because the other teams in Europe have adapted to a more dynamic style, right? The Guggen Press, I think, is one of the biggest examples of a tactic that no Spanish team can realistically do properly, right? Other than maybe, maybe Atletico Madrid. But even then, 
the actual talent level, I think, is still there. But tactically, tactically, Spanish football is missing key elements of European football that they have not been able to match yet. And one of the things that made, you know, the tiki-taka-esque era so incredible is that players couldn't figure, opposing players could not figure out the positioning of the Spanish teams because it was so new and so unique. Now, that style is not going to work because you set up a mid-low block for <laughs> for about 80 minutes and you're you're in good shape as a defensive team. So it's not as simple as that, but right now, because the basically the quality of the top three sides in Spain has deteriorated so much based on the old, old kind of former way of playing, that's now bled into other Spanish teams, and it doesn't carry over into European competition. Yeah, and, and, and it should be said, too, that European soccer is extremely cyclical in the first place in terms of styles and, and what kind of bores out of a previous style. And like you said, that huge counterpress and the gig press from from um, Liverpool and from Bayern Munich, as we saw last season in the Champions League, those became so widespread because of the possession style that had dominated European competition for eight to ten years. In the 2010s, were dominated by Spanish sides winning European competitions and. The best tactic to attack that playing out of the back, the, you know, kind of slow, methodical play, the best way to, to counter that is is to press extremely high and basically run after every ball like a pack of dogs, right? And, and it's the thing that this style, this now the counter press, that dominant style wouldn't have happened without the dominance of the Spanish national team, the Barcelona sides and you know, Real Madrid and, and Sevilla in, in the European cup competition. So yeah, it might be that we're just cycling out of Spanish football dominance and, and that possession, heavy, heavy possession play, um, at least in the style of, of Spanish teams is just not the, it's it's not the uh, gosh what's the word I'm looking for the mode the what whatever word they use for like art sometimes but but, I'm, but I'm it's not it's for, not but I know what the, you're saying <laughs> it's not in vogue that's what I'm saying it's not the in vogue style anymore and, and it's because you know someone came up with a strategy to counteract it and now everyone else is using that and in six or seven years from now there'll probably be something else so but. Yeah, it, it, it's all of those plus, like you said, the deterioration in, in terms of the three best teams, too. Um, we've talked extensively about Real Madrid and Barcelona and, and how bad their rebuild has been going. So that also factors in. So it, it's, it'll be interesting. It's, it's, it's all super interesting stuff. But yeah, yeah we'll, can, we'll have to see what can uh... no longer be on his high horse about La Liga. So that's a win for all of us. Well, okay, right now, right now I can. Just give it another two years when the top three teams in Spain rebuild. But we'll see. Talk to me in two years. But anyway, Rian, I'm going to go depressingly watch Barcelona at some point during the weekend and see what happens. Um, i probably going to regret it because they're playing against Sevilla away. So anyway, with that, we will talk to you guys next week, talking a little, not Spain, but probably Spain later on. And 
a little England, a little Champions League, whatever we got going on. But uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, guys. Oh, 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 oh,